Um, Thanksgiving week, so I want to pray and uh, we'll look at a Thanksgiving text this morning and uh, let's do that now. So, Father, thank you for this morning again and I pray as we, as we turn our attention to your word that you would meet us in it. We know these are your words, they've come from you. You've inspired people to write down what you wanted them to write down. And so we look at this and pray that it would encourage us and, and challenge us to be a thankful people as, as was said earlier, in, in, in any single circumstance of life, we know this is what you've called us to, to thanksgiving. And so I pray uh, that you would move your people this morning, move in our hearts, move in me uh, to speak the words you want me to. In Christ's name, amen. All right, I'd, I'd ask you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. So grab your Bibles. If you're going to get a pew Bible... That happens to be page 131 in, in the Pew Bibles. Fifth book of the Old Testament. The other thing I should say before we jump into this is uh, last week I did not announce the benevolence offering. We collect a benevolence offering for special needs in the church or community. Um, that will be happening at the conclusion of this service. So uh, as you walk out, if you see the person in the offering basket, we don't just want more money. Uh, it's a benevolence offering, okay? Just so you know. Um, we want to remember to do that. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We'll go through the chapter. But first, a story. Uh, I, a few years back, they... Uh, they released the, the new Star Wars trilogy. Some of you know that. The prequels, which didn't quite match up to the original, in my opinion. But uh, they were still exciting to see. I remember going to movie gallery uh, one day to uh, get the third one, the third prequel. And uh, I was very excited about it. I went in there. I had Caitlin. She was a baby, and she was in her car seat. And I carried her in. And I'm looking forward. I'm hoping they have one left on the shelf. And they did. So I was very excited. I grabbed that thing off the shelf. And I went up to the counter and put it down and, and paid for it. And the way they do it in movie gallery is when, when, you, when you give them your money, they, uh, they set the video on the counter right as you leave. So they don't hand it back to you. They put it on the counter. So as you walk towards the door, you pick up your movie and you walk out the door. So in, in my excitement, I went out there and I grabbed my movie, went out to the car, started to get in the car, and I thought, wait a minute, Caitlin. <laughs> and uh, so I went back into the video store and sure enough, she's still right there by the counter. I didn't leave her by the movie section on the, by the shelf. No, it was right by the where I made the payment, okay? And uh, picked her up. I don't, I don't think the guy even knew what was going on because it was below the counter, you know. And So anyway, forgot my baby. But I got my movie. Got my movie. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and, and that movie wasn't even good enough to forget your child to, right? I mean, goodness. So, <laughs> no. Kayla, did you know that? I don't even think she knew that. Well, you know now. Chrissy, did you know that? Okay, all right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You quit your job? All right. Something had to be done. All right. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that, that life, for, for the good or for the bad things in life, can be distracting. Even the things you just get excited about, the little things, like I want to get that movie that I was waiting to see, and they can distract you from the things that we all know are the most important things. Happens to me, it happens to you. Um, 
maybe not leaving your child in the movie store, but, but these little things really do take our attention away from things that we would say, this is the most important thing. And we would say, I think as a church, that, that God is, is the top priority. Nothing goes above God. It's God and, and, and then family and then church and then whatever else that we have that's priority. Uh, but, but God's at the top. He's the pinnacle of our priorities. I think we all agree on that. And yet, life can throw things at us that distract us from keeping Him in that spot. So what I want to do is look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses knew this. Moses knew that there were different times in a person's life where they would be distracted and they would forget about keeping God the priority of their life. And, and Moses knew when that happened, the people would go astray and catastrophe would ensue. So we want to look at Deuteronomy 8. This is Moses. This is Moses warning the people of Israel to remember God in good times and in bad. As Eric said this morning, he read out of 1 Thessalonians, in all things give thanksgiving. In all things give thanks. All circumstances. For this is God's will for you. It's God's will that whether things are bad or good, that you remember to thank Him. Sometimes it's easy to forget Him in the middle of life. So, um, we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to start with 1 through 6. And I am going to read the word Lord as Yahweh. When, when you see the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord, all caps, that's the word for Yahweh. Just so you know, when you're reading your NIV or whatever, um, that's what it is. So I'm going to read God's covenant name that he gave to his people um, as part of this text. So when, you, when it comes to that, you'll see. Here is Deuteronomy chapter 8. 1 through 6. Be careful to follow every command that I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that Yahweh promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how Yahweh, your God, led you all the way into the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so Yahweh, your God, disciplines you. Observe the commands that Yahweh your God, walking in His ways and revering Him. For Yahweh your God is bringing you to a good land. And we'll stop right there. I went a little too far. First thing Moses wants to talk about is the wilderness. He wants to talk to the people about the wilderness. They've been in there 40 years. And they're about to head out of it into the land. He's making that transitional time in verse 7. And now you're going into the land. You've been through all of this trial and all of this testing. And he says, I want you to remember the ways of Yahweh. Don't forget. Don't forget what He did in the wilderness with you. So first of all, number one, in times of testing, we are to remember Yahweh. Remember God in times of testing. And when we do that, that moves us to thanksgiving. When we remember what's going on in the middle of a trial. Trials are hard. Storms are difficult. How can we be thankful when we're going through a trial? 
I'll suggest two ways. And these are in your notes that are in your bulletin. If you're following along that way, you can open that up and get out those notes. But there's a couple ways we can be thankful during times of testing. The first one, we are thankful that God has a purpose in trials. The first blank is purpose. God never wastes the difficult things in our life. He doesn't just send things or he doesn't just allow things to happen and then just say, you know, hope you get through that and, and, and see if we can do anything with that. But, but he never ever wastes it. He always uses it for a certain purpose. Now, Moses gives the Israelites three purposes God had for their time in the wilderness. If you look at verse 3, here's the first one. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. He humbled you. When you're hungry and you can't provide for your family their daily meals, that is humbling. That is bringing you low. And that's exactly what was happening those last 40 years. The people were hungry. They often grumbled. But that was to humble them. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I'm the kind of person where, you know what? I, I, would, I would say things like this to God. God, I want to be humble. You don't need to bring the bad things into my life to humble me. I just want to be humble, you know? But, but God knows that often doesn't work that way. That there's something about bringing that difficulty into our life and bringing us to our knees. That is the humbling thing. So if pride is so strong that I can't control it, God is going to bring things into my life or allow things to happen to me to keep me on my knees, to keep me humble before Him. This is what He does as God. And and as much as I'd like to say I can do humility on my own, He's working that out in my life so that I would rely and depend on Him. The other purpose you see here that is very interesting is the fact that he is testing us. If you look at uh, verse uh, 2 again, to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. God is testing us during times of testing. That's why we call it testing. It's to see what's going on in here. Now, I have, as a pastor, I've ministered to people that have been through huge times of testing. I mean, huge trials. You know, the loss of a loved one. The loss of, of whatever. And, and, and you, when you talk to people like this, I think to myself, if I were in their shoes, what, what, would I hold on to God as tightly as they are? Because it's one thing to be standing there saying, God will be with you in this. God will help you in this. But I've often thought, what would I do if God took something away from me that I valued highly? How would I respond to that? And certainly I've been through trials and I have held on, but, but I've certainly not suffered the way I've seen some. And so I think about this. And I don't, I, don't, I don't have the perfect answer. All I can say is there are times God brings us through testing in order that when we're through it on the other side, we look back and say, I held on. I praised God in the storm. God, God strengthened me in that time. We, we don't say I made it as if, as if I did it all by myself, but, but we make it through and then we say, that's what was in my heart. I always wondered if my faith was of such a quality that no matter what happened, I would never curse God. I always wondered that if my life somehow resembled Job's, that I would hold on the way he did and still praise God anyway. And sometimes God takes us through those times so that we can see what's really going on in here. 
And you may not find what's in there is really good. Maybe you are tempted greatly to let go and say, God, I do want to curse you. I do want to leave you. He brings us through testing to see what's really going on in here. The other reason that's, that's pretty interesting here to, to note is uh, verse 3. Uh, look at that with me real quick. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, the Hebrew word manna, our best translation for what manna might literally mean if you tried to translate into English, means, what is this? What is this? Manna was that flaky substance that was on the ground when the Israelites got up in the morning and they collected it and they ate it. God provided food for them in the form of manna. And they didn't know what it was. They'd look at it and say, manna, what is it? I don't know. Kids, that's your Thanksgiving trick on, on that day. You know, if you don't, you don't know what's in front of you, manna? Man, I don't know. <laughs> Grandma made some manna. I don't know what it is, but we're going to eat it. We're going to eat it. Um, I bet they know what the pie is, though. I bet there's no problem there. Um, <clears throat> manna. You don't have bread, so we're giving you manna. Uh, that you didn't know. Now, you don't see this in the NIV very clearly, let me read the English Standard Version. I want you to see what word jumps out at you here, okay? If you have ESV, you're already there and you already see it. He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by, man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. He fed you with manna, which you didn't know, your fathers didn't know, so that you would know that man does not live by bread alone. The word is no. The word is no. God sends things into our life that we don't understand, that we cannot explain, in order to teach us something else that we can't understand, that we're supposed to explain, that we're supposed to really get. Do you see that? So sometimes, I'll, you, you know, you look at your life and you go, why is this in my life? I don't understand it. I can't con- explain it. I didn't put it there. But here it is, and I don't like it. But here it is. And even though I can't explain it, it's teaching me something over here about God that I can't explain, that I can't understand. Oh, God was with me in that situation. I saw God's faithfulness. I saw people come alongside me and help me in that. God taught me all sorts of things, even though I don't know why that had to happen. God sends things that we don't know in order to teach us something else that we can know. There's a lot of things in life that are deep spiritual truths about God, and we sing about them. We sing about His faithfulness. We sing about His goodness. But when you experience his faithfulness and goodness, that's the real deal, isn't it? I mean, you sing about it, but, but when you're singing and you think, yes, God, this is the way you were faithful to me, you connect the dots to real life experience, that is remarkable. And there are some things God's going to send into your life that you cannot explain in order that you might learn a spiritual lesson. I am thankful that although we all go through trials, that God is using them to make me into something different than what I am now. To teach me something that I didn't really know, 
Maybe I sang about it every single Sunday, but I didn't know it deep in my soul until I experienced it during the times of trial. He gave us manna to teach us that we don't need bread. What we really need is the word of God. He gives us what we need. That was the Israelites' lesson. Why am I eating this stuff? Here's the reason. (laughs) Because you need me more than you need bread. That's what he was teaching them. All right. Why are we thankful during times of testing? We're thankful because God has purposes for it. Maybe as I said those three purposes, you, you saw something in your life that connected. I hope. I hope you've seen connections there. The other thing that we should be thankful for during times of testing is that God is present during trials. God is present with us. Look at verse 4. He says, Your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Well, it looks as if God has supernaturally been with the Israelites in such a way that they didn't have to get new clothes and and, and that their sandals were good and and, and their feet didn't swell. I mean, think about that. I mean, we were just talking about this the other day. We buy shoes for our kids and, and sometimes you go with the cheaper shoes and they wear out faster and you're like, why did I do this? Let's get the expensive stuff. But these... Their clothing just lasted 40 years. You know, it's like, well, what did you think was going on when, that's, when the clothing never tore, when your sandals didn't wear out? I was with you in that. I was there with you. And I don't know if you've ever experienced God's presence during trial. I mean, just, just the fact that he's there with you. But I believe sometimes, as Christians, we can discern that. Like, God, you just, I just feel you with me. You're here. I mean, you do that with people, Right? Like you're in a room by yourself and someone walks in and you just kind of sense their presence. You ever do that? Where you're just like, someone's with me. If I can feel like my wife walked in the room without hearing her, I think that happens with God. I'm speculating here, but I am counting on the fact that I can sense his presence sometimes right there with me. When I was in Watoma, I had an office at church in the basement and the janitor liked to scare me. He was kind of a jokester, and uh, he would he would like wait around the corner, lights would be off, and I'd be going downstairs, and he'd jump out, you know. And sometimes I would just go down, and I, I could just sense that someone was there, you know, just like, hey, he's waiting for me, right? And so I would go around, and I'd jump out, you know, and and try to get him first. Cindy, don't get any ideas. Where is she? Or where she is? But but um, isn't it funny that you can just walk into a dark room and just be like, I think there's someone right here, and I'm ready. Um, I'm guessing we can sense the Lord sometimes when he's with us and when we need to know you're here, you've got me. I've heard people describe it like they're being, I've heard multiple people say, there's been times when I just felt like God was hugging me. You know, I've heard that multiple times and I believe that's true. God is with us in the trials. That's why their sandals lasted so long. That's why their clothes lasted so long. I am with you. So in times of testing, remember Yahweh. What about times of prosperity when things are going well? Well, check out verse 7 and following. For Yahweh your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, 
a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, Thursday afternoon, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Be careful that you do not forget Yahweh your God failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget Yahweh your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble you and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember Yahweh your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. All right. Remember Yahweh during times of prosperity. You're going to go into the land. It's going to be a land full of all sorts of foods. And in that time, you will be tempted to forget Him. You'll be tempted to go in there and say, I did this. But don't do that because Yahweh is with you. He's the one doing this. So why are we thankful during times of prosperity? We are thankful because God has given us the power to prosper. He's given us the power to prosper. We typically, I think, as Americans, like to look at our, our wealth and the things going on in our life and say, yeah, I did this. And certainly there's an element to that where we say, you know, God doesn't bless the lazy. I mean, we're commanded many times in Scripture to work hard. But sometimes we take that working hard so far that we like to say, whose name's on the paycheck? Not Yahweh's. My name's on the paycheck. I've earned this. And God says, I would caution you against going down that road. Because if you are smart and you have a job in accounting, you're good with numbers, who gave you your intelligence? I did. If you work with your hands, you're a builder. Who gave you the ability to work with your hands? You would know that I don't have that great ability. I wish I did have that ability. I don't have that. But if God gave you that, he gave you the power to prosper in that way. So we need to look at ourselves and say, I have gifts and abilities. I have the ability to make wealth, but it's God who's given me this ability. And then we thank Him for that. And we realize our name may be on the paycheck, but God's name is on our life. And He gave us these abilities. God has given us the power to prosper. The second reason um, Moses gives them is, be thankful that God keeps His covenant promises with you. Be thankful that God keeps His covenant promises. If you look again at verse 18, here it is. Remember Yahweh your God, as He has given you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. God keeps His promises. And so if you're going into this Thanksgiving season, or maybe this Christmas season, and you don't see the prosperity, you don't see the wealth that you want to see, and that's, that's a story for a lot of people, 
remember this. God keeps His covenant promises. God has saved you. You have the hope of heaven. And it's not hope as in, I hope I'll go to heaven. It's I hope in the reality of heaven. I know it's real. God has given you that promise. He's promised never to leave you or forsake you. He's promised to give you His Spirit as a down payment, guaranteeing things to come. There's a list of things God has done in Christ for you. If you find yourself looking at material wealth and saying, I don't see the prosperity, I encourage you to read your Bible and see the spiritual prosperity in Christ. And turn your eyes heavenward. See all the things that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you'll be driven to thankfulness regardless of whether there's a lot of presents under the tree or not, regardless whether the Thanksgiving dinner is huge or not, we have so much to be thankful for in Christ. And these are the greatest blessings of all. Because people that have a lot in America find themselves so unsatisfied, but you have the thing that really satisfies. That is amazing. That is amazing. So be thankful that God keeps His promises, His covenant promises with us. Sometimes he does bless us with material wealth. Sometimes he does. Whether he does or not, we have a lot to be thankful for. It would be wrong for me not to read the consequences of an unthankful heart, a heart that forgets God. Verse 19 and 20. Moses warns them, If you ever forget Yahweh your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations Yahweh destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying Yahweh, your God. Destruction. Destruction. This verse reminds me of the one in Romans where um, it says, the people didn't thank God, they didn't glorify Him, but they turned and worshipped other things. We all value something, we all give thanks for something this Thanksgiving. Be thankful to God. I encourage you at some point in your day, on Thanksgiving Day, this week, and in the weeks to come, that you would remember to give thanks. Teach your kids to do that. Do that in your evening prayers or in your morning prayers. Make sure your family is thankful for all that God has done. I thought I'd give a personal word before we close the service and say, I'm very thankful to be here at this church. This church has been a great blessing for me and my family. I'm thankful for the warmth of the relationships that I felt in the short few months that I've been here, Christy asked me on the way to church this morning, uh, she says, does this feel like, like home? Does it feel like your church? And I said, yeah, it does. I mean, it really, really does. And I am so grateful for that, that, that the people here have been so welcoming and loving towards us. I'm thankful because very quickly, I feel like Paul in, uh, is it First Thessalonians when he says, you know, we, 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 were, we didn't just share the gospel with you, we shared our lives with you. And I'm like, man, it's amazing to go in to a church and in a few short months have people share their lives with you. That's remarkable. That, that's a, where else can you do that but the church? I mean, I'm sure there may be somewhere out there you can, you can get to know people and share life with them in a, in a fast, quick connection sort of way. But I think the church is the best. I think it's the best. And so thank you for that. Thank you for loving my family well. Um, we have felt that. Thank you for praying for us. We've had people tell us that they're praying. We've felt your prayers as we transition here. Our kids have transitioned so smoothly to this area. I mean, I just, I think every week I thank God that my kids are transitioning so well. 
Thank you for doing that. It means, it means a lot to us. So I want to pray and invite the worship team to come up and we'll give one more uh, song of thanks. Father, this morning uh, we are so grateful to be your people. There's nothing in the world like your people. We have organizations, we have clubs, we have all sorts of things that get people together. We have schools, but we confess there's nothing like the church. We are so thankful that you've built a people here. I pray that you continue to build us up. I pray that this church will continue to grow so that a year from now we can give you thanks for all of the new things that you're doing. Father, I pray that this week, I pray that on Thanksgiving Day in particular, that your people would turn to give you praise. I pray for the unsaved relatives that will be at our, at our meals and during this holiday season. That when, I pray that they would see our thankfulness that they would see how good you are, that as they're tasting the meal, that they would also be tasting and seeing that you are good. Oh God, I pray that you would do a really great work on Thanksgiving Day in the lives of unsaved friends and unsaved relatives. Bring glory to yourself, Father, this holiday season. We know there's so much to distract us. We know that the shopping is upon us, and and that is a very distracting thing as well. I pray that none of that would take away from your great glory. We give you all the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.